0: Claims like gluten-free, vegan, or the fact that things are in a health food store does not automatically mean that they are a healthy food or that they are a really nutritious food. Hello guys, welcome back to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. Today is a solo episode and we're going to be talking about reading labels. Now, this is a topic that I split over two Ebony May Monday chats, a new segment that I've been doing on my Instagram, but I barely scratched the surface because I'm just doing one-minute videos for that segment. So I thought today we're going to tie it all together and really dive into the nitty-gritty of reading labels and what I think is really important. But first, we have to get into the real recap because especially this week, it's been a very draining, mentally taxing week. Last Sunday, I started to feel really unwell. It was started in the morning when I was kind of achy um, and we went for a long walk. And when we got back from that, I didn't feel great, but I didn't feel awful. I thought that perhaps I'd just trained a little bit too hard. And then I kind of went against my intuition and did a training session. After that session, I was just done. I was exhausted. I felt like I could have fallen asleep. I was in so much pain. Um, And then a few friends and I went to the beach and usually I run around like crazy at the beach. I love it. But I started to get a bit of a temperature. I was freezing, but my I was, like, burning up. Um, I like I was just in so much pain from my body aching, and I was so tired. Um, so I ended up going home and putting myself to bed, and my boyfriend and my housemate were like, oh, my goodness, what is wrong with her? Because this stuff, like, touch wood, never usually happens to me. Um, and I, yeah, ended up just having a few Panadol um And I never usually do that. So even though that was like, oh gosh, like there's obviously something wrong with her. Um, And my temperature started to go down. But then as soon as I would need more Panadol, like as soon as the time would be over for you to have more, it would go back up again. Um, So we decided on the Monday, even though the Monday I did feel a lot better, but not 100%. And given the day before all of those um, symptoms that I had, that it would be best for my housemate and I who had also had a few symptoms. Um... To get tested for coronavirus. So we did that on the Monday and then we had to isolate until we got the answers. So literally no going outside, couldn't go shopping, couldn't go for a walk, couldn't do anything. Not complaining because that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do to um, flatten the curve. Um, But guys, it actually was really mentally taxing. Uh, I know that we've been isolating for a long time, but not even being able to go outside was really hard for me and because I wasn't feeling 100% I wasn't working out so I kind of felt like a bit of a shell of myself and then on Thursday we finally got the results and they were negative thank goodness for both of us which was great um so I could go back and work on Friday and by Friday I was feeling fine and then today is Tuesday and I feel really great so thank goodness that that was done but it was just a crazy week um I had my family calling me every day being like are you okay do you have it do you not have it um But yes, anyone out there who is currently killing time, isolating, waiting for the results, I feel you and I wish you all the best. So let's get into today's topic. As I said, I've already spoken about labels uh, on my Instagram. So if you do want the little snippets, then you can watch them as well. Um, But just going into a little bit more depth today. So the first thing I want to talk about is the ingredients list. I've realized that when people talk about reading labels. A lot of it is based around the nutritional paneling, which is where they break down the macronutrients and they have the quantity of those macronutrients um, and macronutrients per 100 grams and per serving. And yes, that is really important. But if you don't have a lot of time and you just want to read one thing, I strongly suggest just reading the ingredients list. And the reason is because you get so much from the ingredient list. So one, obviously everything that's in there, you know all the additives, anything has to legally be listed. And the second thing is that you can tell what is the most plentiful in the product. And this is because ingredients are listed in descending order of quantity. So when you're purchasing a product because it contains a healthy ingredient, see where it is on the list. And if it's 10th, it's probably not going to have that much in it. So similarly, the second thing is that legally, any food named in the title must have the percentage next to it, which signifies how much of the product, in fact, is made up of this ingredient. So keep this in mind with your fruit juices or fruit drinks, and if you buy a juice or a green juice just because it has kale in it, make sure it's not just 1% kale and it's there for a name drop. Um, And that is a bit of a marketing ploy. You will find that brands are sort of name drop heroed ingredients or superfoods to try and Reel you in because you hear that that's healthy, but then if you turn it around and the sugar's for the first thing on there, and it's a low percentage for that heroed ingredient, it's not really a true representation of the nutrients of that drink at all. And all of that you can tell from the ingredients list, which is I think is really great. So the third thing is that you want to be consuming foods with as little ingredients as possible. If there is a really long list made up of words that you don't understand, then I would suggest that it's probably not the best for you to consume um, and this is the third thing that you can tell also from the ingredients list and that's what I love about being able to just look at the ingredients list. You can get so much out of it. The reason that you don't want to have a bunch of ingredients on the back when it goes into different flavorings and different addit- all the different additives is because the, it's going to be more refined or more processed. The more ingredients you put in there, the more processing that has had to be done to it to create that product for example if let's say that we've got a muesli bar and all it has is oats honey and some dried fruit combining that that doesn't take much processing but if you add some chocolate chips and some extra sugar and some other fruits and uh, like another type of grain and then you add some like things to stabilise it and acidity regulator and all this sort of stuff like that is all more processing it's all more that has to be done to that food so when people say that they don't really want to be eating processed foods the limited ingredients foods the ones that you should go for because often and not all the time often they will have less ingredients if they're less processed. So I'm going to do a bit of a live comparison now between two different um, products and I've just gone on to the supermarket website here. We're gonna be comparing two different peanut butters using the tools that I've just given you looking at the ingredients list. We also will look at the nutrition paneling and I'll give you an idea of just some quick things to look out for and how you can um, make sure you're looking for an accurate representation. So firstly, we've got peanut butter A and we've got peanut butter B. So, the first thing we want to look at is the ingredients list. So, we go to the ingredients list of peanut butter A. The first ingredient, and like we learned, that's the most plentiful ingredient, is roasted peanuts. When we go over to peanut butter B, the first ingredient, most plentiful ingredient, is roasted peanuts. So, also what I mentioned before is the percentage rule. So, because this is called peanut butter, The amount of peanuts have to be signified with a percentage next to it. So we look at the ingredients list. Like I said, the first ingredient for both peanut butter A and B is roasted peanuts. But for peanut butter A, the percentage right next to it is 99.3%. Looking at peanut butter B, the percentage of peanuts in that product is only 85%. Okay, moving along. Second ingredient for peanut butter A is salt. Second ingredient for peanut butter B is vegetable oil. Vegetable oil is definitely not a nutritious thing for us to be consuming. I try and limit it as much as possible, um, and I might do a podcast on this, but guys, you need to research vegetable oil and just it's really, really, really not the best thing for us. It's extremely processed and it's just there's no nutritious value to it when you could have something like olive oil. I love olive oil. Um, it's so great for you. It increases your HDL, it lowers your LDL cholesterol. I'm just a big fan of olive oil and you won't ever catch me having vegetable oil unless it is in something that I don't know or something that I just having as a treat. So that was the second ingredient for peanut butter B. Now when we come back to peanut butter A, that's all the ingredients done. So it's literally only two ingredients. So when we sum up the tools that I've spoken about, one, going down in quantitative order, this is great. It goes peanuts and then it goes salt. The percentage rule, the first ingredient and the named ingredient has 99.3% makeup in that product, which is also fantastic. And then number three, there's only two ingredients. So it's a really short ingredients list, which means that probably hasn't undergone much processing. So let's go back to B. Third ingredient is sugar. Fourth ingredient is salt. So this peanut butter B has twice the amount of ingredients than peanut butter A. Let's go back to peanut butter A and let's have a look at the nutritional paneling right now. So it's important to look at per 100 grams instead of per serving and it's important if you are looking for per serving that that's actually an accurate description of the serving that you will consume. To me, it's just easy to look at per 100 grams and know how much per 100 grams is in it whereas you might be like, oh okay, there's only like X amount per serving but then you don't know what the serving is. The serving could be minuscule. So we're going to look, and that's, that's another thing to look out for. So when I talk about the nutritional paneling, we're going to be looking at the per 100 grams representation. So peanut butter A. For the sodium, there's 255 milligrams per 100 grams. For the sodium for peanut butter B, it's 578 milligrams per 100 grams. And when it comes to sugar there is over twice the amount of sugar per 100 grams in peanut butter B than there is in peanut butter A. So it's pretty safe to say that by the tools we've spoken about, peanut butter A is the more nutritious choice. So now let's move on to another segment that I did for Ebony May Monday chats, which was health claims and product title claims. This is things like gluten-free, vegan, or even things that you find in a health food store. We often have this connotation That they're healthy just because they say gluten-free or vegan claims like gluten-free vegan or the fact that things are in a health food store does not automatically mean that they are a healthy food or that they are a really nutritious food you do still need to read the label for example oreos are vegan okay so we can't just rely on these terms and think oh yep that's great ingredients we still need to do all the tools that i've addressed earlier and turn it around and read the label. And I went to a health food store with my little sister, Maddie, and she picked up a chocolate bar and said, I want to have this. Um, and when ex- I actually had to explain to her that it really, really wasn't a nutritious food and that it was fine for her to have it if she wanted a treat, but I didn't want her to think that she was eating nutritious food purely because it was from the health food store. And I turned it around and I showed her that the first ingredient, as we know, that's the most plentiful ingredient, was sugar, refined cane sugar. So that's just a little story there. So just to signify that and, and to represent that. So make sure that you never fall for just because it's in the health food store or the health food aisle or it says healthy or it says gluten free. Still use these tools that we've talked about. No added sugar or no refined sugar. This is an interesting topic here. So just because something has no added sugar, like it might have a claim on there saying no added sugar, it does not actually mean that there isn't sugar in there. It could actually have a quite a high content of sugar and you'd need to check this in the nutritional paneling for 100 grams, um, but it might just be like sugar from existing fruits and things like that. Whether it's refined sugar or non-refined sugar, it is still sugar. It's still going to spike your blood sugar levels and have the same processes in the body. The difference between a refined sugar and a non-refined sugar is that there are trace minerals. What I mean by this is that people often say that, oh, it's much, it's okay to have lots of this type of sugar, when it's, but it's not okay to have this type, a lot of this type of sugar. For either type of sugar, we need to be considering moderation. The excuse that they have trace minerals and have more nutrients isn't actually that accurate. For the amounts that you would have to have of the non-refined sugar to get benefits from the trace minerals, it's actually quite high, probably quite unrealistic. Um, and if you actually look um, at just coconut, for example, coconut sugar, and then you're playing, uh, just refined cane sugar you'll realize that there's not that much of a difference between the breakdown um, apart from those trace minerals. And like I said, they are often minuscule. So I'm not trying to scare you. Obviously, it's better to have a piece of fruit than it is to have a Mars bar, but you still need to be considering moderation. um, And don't just see a fruit bar and think that the fact that it says no added sugar that it's got no sugar in it or the same for fruit juices. Okay. There still will be sugar in there. It just might not, it just not necessarily added sugar. The next thing is sugar free. This is a controversial topic amongst dietitians and nutritionists. And this is because there's been very little study and there's very little proof about artificial sweeteners. Um, and one thing that I do want to talk about is they do have a similar structure to sugar. And this is why they work the same in terms of the taste. And our taste buds recognize it as sweetness. But they are, and the thing that people like about them is it's really low calorie. But this is because the chemical structure is one that we can't actually break down and yield energy from. Whereas non-artificial sugars, we can break them down and we can yield energy from them. So we are taking calories from them. I'm not here to say that they're good or bad, but I just think that until there has been some more robust study and research and more time, because it hasn't been around that long in the scheme of things. Um, and I, one thing I do think about is what's going to be coming out. Like we didn't used, to, used like there used to be advertising and we used to believe that smoking was good for us. Like that was a long time ago. So when things like artificial sweeteners and like making food in chemical labs comes up, it makes me uneasy. I'm not particularly keen on ingesting things that my body doesn't actually recognize and can't break down. And that's just something to think about. So if you are drinking things because they're sugar-free, please, please, please still read the labels. And although you might be fond of artificial sweetness for the low caloric intake, keep in mind everything else that is in there. And if it is a bunch of numbers and chemicals that you don't understand, please, please, please go with a different option. Even if it is a high sugar fruit juice with no added sugar, I'm doing that in air marks, that's better for you because your body can actually understand it and your body actually recognizes it as food. I think the fact that it's a turn on for people, that it's low calorie because your body can't break it down, that's confusing and scary to me. I don't want to put things in my body and ingest things That my body can't recognize. And I just don't think that's very good for your relationship with food or your relationship with your body. I don't think that putting things that aren't meant to be in your body in your body is showing it love. That's just my personal personal opinion on artificial sweeteners. Um, guys, in the show notes, I am going to link a link to foodstandards.gov.au and it's a really helpful poster that breaks down labeling and it breaks down all the different things that you can look for on a product. But yeah, so this link is going to be really helpful if you want to learn more. It's a great website and a very reputable website. Um, but yeah, I really hope that this has helped you and I really hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, if you want to hear or see more from me, pop over to Ebony EbonyMayHealth on Instagram. And please, if you enjoyed this episode and you like the podcast leave a rating or review and thank you so much to everyone who has been sharing it on the instagram stories this honestly means the world i really really appreciate it enjoy the rest of your day guys and i will talk to you in the next episode